In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Long before Pinterest decorations and coffee cups bore these famous words, Ralph Waldo Emerson once wrote that it's not the destination, it's the journey. Now there's some wisdom in those words. Things like enjoying God's gifts today in the present, being thankful and mindful of them. But Emerson missed something important in that phrase. The destination matters too. Think of a family road trip to grandma's house. You make lasting memories not only on the journey there, but at the end of your journey. The destination, grandma's house, it matters. Lewis and Clark, their expedition westward was important, not only because of the journey there, but also their final destination on the west coast. Even Dorothy and her journey on the yellow brick road through the land of Oz was thrilling and adventurous, but of course in the end she finds out there's no place like home. The destination matters. Luke reveals that Jesus, in the Gospel, is reenacting for us and for all people the greatest journey of the Old Testament, the Exodus. Remember back at his transfiguration, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah are there on the mountain talking about his upcoming exodus that he's going to accomplish in Jerusalem. It's an exodus not out of Egypt, but out of slavery of sin and death, freedom from the captivity of the devil and our own sinful flesh, liberation from his tyranny, rescue and redemption in Jesus crucified. You see, for Jesus, it's not just the journey, but it's also the destination. Both the journey, the destination matter. So Luke says that Jesus went on his way through towns and villages, teaching, journeying towards Jerusalem. He also gives us a glimpse of the destination along the way. What is yet to come, what is also ours this day as well. The marriage supper, the feast of the Lamb in his kingdom that has no end. Where, like the psalm says, he spreads a table before us, a feast of forgiveness in his body and blood, after the greatest enemy of death is defeated. People will come from east and west, he said, from north and south and all over, and recline at table in the kingdom, in the reign, the gracious rule of God. And as Jesus is on this journey to Jerusalem... Someone, don't know who, but someone in the crowd following him asked him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? It's a question many have asked. Maybe you yourself have asked it too. Sometimes we ponder it on a personal level. It's also been debated much by theologians and academics. But whatever the motivation is, if we get hung up on just that question... We miss the rest of the main point of the Gospel reading. I mean, notice how Jesus doesn't even really answer the question, at least not in the way we might expect him to. The closest he comes, in fact, is at the end, where he says not how many people will be saved, but that those who are saved will come from everywhere, from all languages and tribes and nations and people. Those who are saved will be the last and the least and the lowly ones. Those who have no claim on God or his kingdom or his gracious rule except by what he gives by grace alone. That is to say, you are saved by grace alone. So Jesus quickly redirects the conversation from examining the few out there to examining the questioner. 
and the disciples and those gathered around him who were hearing his teaching. He says, strive to enter the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. You see, as it goes for Jesus, so it goes for us, too. In our baptized life, that life of daily dying to sin and rising again, of repentance and of forgiveness, both the journey and the destination matter. Strive, Jesus says, like a wrestler agonizing and struggling with an opponent. Strive, he says, for he knows that life will not always be easy. He knows the enemy, our de- the devil, is well-trained, he's well-equipped, he's battle-hardened, he will fight savagely. He is a thief come to kill and steal and destroy. He is a liar come to sow discord and deceit and despair. He wafts our guilt and shame and sin in our face like somebody holding up a dirty diaper in our noses. And through trial and temptation, he hopes to lead us on a very different journey to an altogether different destination. So strive, Jesus says, be vigilant. Keep your eyes on the journey ahead as we live in God's gift of daily repentance and forgiveness. But also keep your eyes on the destination that is to come. Look for, long for the kingdom of Christ, the coming of our Lord and his gracious reign. This is what we pray for every time we pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done in our Lord's church here in Milton, in our preschool, in our own homes, as our families, in our lives. You see, on the one hand, the journey is done, over. The victory is yours. Jesus says it is finished. And yet, on the other hand, in this life, we struggle and we strive and we wrestle We live in that repentance and forgiveness, confessing that that too is the work and the gift of God in us and through us and for us. Jesus calls us in this gospel reading to be who he has declared us to be, to be who we are, who he has called us and named us, his holy, baptized, beloved, rescued, and redeemed children. As Hebrews mentions, he disciplines us this way. Not because he doesn't love us, but precisely the opposite. Because he does love us. As a dear father loves and cares for his dear children. And Jesus instructs us this way, not to give us a blueprint to follow, as if we enter the narrow door through our own striving and our own struggling and our own wrestling. No, it's the opposite. He instructs us this way because Jesus has already strived and struggled and wrestled for you. He has conquered sin, death, and the devil on your behalf. And you are baptized into his death and resurrection, that journey and destination of the cross and the resurrection. And so he invites you to join him today. And on the last day, he gathers you in to his banqueting table where the never-ending party here, the feast of the marriage supper of the Lamb who has conquered death, begins today and continues until forever, eternity. People will come from east and west, from north and south, and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. Behold, some who are first will be last, and some who are last will be first, Jesus says. But that's not the way our sinful flesh, nor the world, expects things to go, is it? We're told to strive, 
We're told to be stronger, bigger, faster, better. That's the way of the flesh, not the cross. Jesus says something rather opposite, rather radical, in fact. Strive to do nothing, he says. For God has done it all for you. Strive to see that everything you have, our wisdom, our strength, our earthly possessions, our gifts, our abilities, all of it, it's all gift from God. Strive to be the last, in fact, is what Jesus says, to be least, to be nothing. Because it is Christ who makes us first. In Jesus, we who are the last ones have become the first. Because he who was first has become last for you. He became least and nothing on the cross for you. And so to get to this narrow door, first we pass through the city gates of Jerusalem, where Jesus, the true King of Israel, passes. To then sit and recline at the table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the prophets and the apostles. We first marvel and believe that Jesus sits with his disciples and prepares the table spread with his body and blood for our forgiveness. That meal, that supper, that food that sustains us on the journey. To enter into and through that narrow door of life on the last day, we first gaze at Christ who was shut out for us, who was numbered among the transgressors for us, in fact treated like the sinner, bearing our sin in his own body on the tree, for he himself bore our sins, and he took them away, and he died for you. And then our Father raised him up from the dead on the third day as he promised. And that is what sustains us today, but also every day on our pilgrimage until we reach our journey's end. We live in those hopeful, confident words that we heard in the sermon of Hebrews. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and tempest and sound of a trumpet, and a voice whose words made the hearers beg no further messages would be given them. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God and the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. That is who you are. And to God, the judge of all, and the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. God bless you all on your journey with your eyes at the destination as our Lord brings you there. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.